Good morning, Church on the Rock. This is a great resurrection morning. Today, I want to talk about the resurrection and what it means. To me, it means three things. Number one, Jesus is who he claims to be. You know, Jesus, he made some pretty outrageous claims when he was on the earth. He said things like, I am God, I'm perfect, I can heal and forgive, I'm the only way to heaven. I'm the savior of the world, and get this, God is my father. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. You know, a lot of people accept Jesus as a good teacher, but he was so much more than just a good teacher because a a good teacher would never make the claims that he made. I want you all to think about it. Think about if I started saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm God. I'm perfect. You would hit your wife and your kids and say, I think we need to find another church. Think about it. He's the savior of the world. Pretty outrageous, huh? Jesus is who he claims that he was, or he's the biggest liar that ever lived. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one can come to the Father except through me. He said, I am God and I will prove it. I am who I say that I am. Even if you don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, we all still have a reference point to him. You know, every time we look at our iPhone or date a contract or make an appointment, what's the reference point? 2020 years. My question is 2020 years from what? He split B.C. and A.D. He split it in half. So he is who he claimed he was. And number two is Jesus shows that he had the power that he claimed to have. In the Bible, it says, Jesus said, all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. You know, because he was God, he could do everything that God could do in the here and now. He said that no one takes my life but I lay it down myself, it's my choice. He said, I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. You know, there was no force in hell that could keep him down. He was crucified, placed in a tomb with a stone door sealed by Rome with a 24 hour guard on watch. But he had all the power in this world. He gave his life away and he took it up on the third day. And that's where I think we get that term, you can't keep a good man down. And number three is Jesus does what he promises to do. He said, they will mock me, they'll flog me, but after three days, I will come back to life. Man, what a statement. Even the angel came at the day that he was resurrected and the angel said, don't be frightened. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's come back to life again. Get this, just as he said that he would. He did what he said. You know, a promise with God is a promise kept. Jesus is who he said he was. He has the power he said he had, and he did what he said he would do. And you might be thinking, well, that's all fine and that's all good, but what does that resurrection mean to me? I know that's the resurrection, but what does it mean to me? 
You know, the first thing that comes to my mind on what it means to me is my past is forgiven. And I want to tell you what, that's good news. Have you ever been halfway through something and you wish that you could like hit the reset button or start over? How many of you grandparents would like another shot at parenting? I know Carmen and I would. We think we do such a good job with, with uh, Ames, um, but we think about, man, I wish we had a restart with our own kids. I know all of you feel that way from time to time. And how many of you would think, boy, if I could just start a certain relationship over with someone that I really liked, but I kind of messed it up? Or how many of you golfers... Come on now, how many of you golfers, you enjoy mulligans? And what about you young college students that say, boy, I wish I would have been paying attention when I was in high school algebra or geometry? How many of you feel like that you're stuck in a career and maybe you wish you could go back and do that over again? You know, I think it's normal to think that way. Many people feel this way. Sometimes we get halfway through things or get halfway through life and we wish we could just start over. We have all these things that we wish were different. We wish we'd have done certain things a certain way or said certain things a certain way. We wish we wouldn't have thought what we thought or maybe did some of the things that we did. It's perfectly normal maybe to have regrets and to feel bad about things. And, you know, some even carry a guilt or shame and just a sadness about their past life. I know a lot of people, I know so many people who can't get on with the present because they're just stuck in the past. But you know, Paul said in the Bible, my friends, I really do not think that I've already attained or I've already won or I've already done things right. But he said this one thing that I do, one thing that I do is I forget what's behind me and I do the best to reach out for what's ahead of me. You know, we can't drive our car looking through the rearview mirror. By accepting Jesus and his resurrection, I want to tell you that your past is forgiven. You were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature, you were cut away and an alien, you might say to God. But then God made you alive in Christ, and he forgave all your sins. He canceled all the charges against you, and he took them away, and he nailed them to the cross 2,000 years ago. In this way, he disarmed spiritual rulers and powers and authorities that seem outside of your control, and he shamed them publicly by the victory that he won upon the cross. That's Colossians 2, 13 through 15, powerful scripture. It talks about God's pardon program, forgiveness of sin, canceling the charges against you, and disarming power that you feel like you have to give in to. There's a greater power inside of you. I want to tell you, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to pay for it. He was hung for your hangups. He was nailed to the cross so we can quit nailing ourselves to the cross. The Bible says the chastisement or the punishment or the judgment for my peace was upon his back. And by his stripes, I am healed. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we can rejoice in the resurrection today because he forgives our past. 
He forgives our past. And Hebrews 8.12 says that he will never again remember the sins that we have done. I want to ask you if, if you've ever paid off a car, if you've ever paid off a recliner or a piece of furniture or your house or mortgage or something. When you've paid it off, you were done with it. You don't sit there and try to remember it. Once it's paid for, you forget it, you rejoice in it, and you go on with life. You know, he is a God of second chances. As far as that, third, fourth, fifth, a thousand chances, we should be too. You know, in the scripture, it says, if, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father, he'll forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive people and you want to hold people in unforgiveness, he said, your father can't forgive you. To me, what's good for you is good for others. So first of all, what's the resurrection mean to me? First of all, my sins have been forgiven and my past is behind me and a new day is in front of me. And the second thing is my present problems can be managed. You know, so much of the time, life seems so unmanageable, especially if you're a parent in lockdown right now. You're like, ah, Calgon, take me away. You know, I read a book one time by Charlie Shedd, and he tells a story in the book. He said, before I had kids, I gave a lecture, and it was 10 commandments on raising perfect kids. But then he and Martha had their first child, and he took that same lecture, and he said he changed the title to 10 Hints for Parents. And then after the third child, he relabeled the message and the book again, and, he, and the new name was A Few Tentative Suggestions for My Fellow Strugglers. You know, that we can all feel that way. We can feel like we know so much, but yet we're still learning so much. Have you noticed that right now, so much of our life just seems out of control? I called a couple of people in church this week, and I asked them, how do you feel like things are just unmanageable, or things are just out of your power, out of your control? One of our young men that's like 20-something, he said this, it's kind of like other people are controlling our lives for us right now. It's kind of a weird feeling. Managers and owners, they've been firing a lot of us. So they are relying on the government to help us, which that isn't fun, and that's kind of a weird feeling. And even though we want to keep people safe and stay at home, we're also being forced to stay at home. And I got to admit, I'm a millennial, but that's kind of a weird feeling. Other people, they're hoarding everything. I mean, going to, the, going to the store and you can't even find toilet paper because people are hoarding, hoarding things, and, and which he said I think is unnecessary, but also makes us think we should too because we don't know when these supplies are going to return again. It's a lot of unexpected self-control, I think. And then another lady, this lady... Her name was Amy, and she's got a couple kids. I think you'll figure out who it, uh, who it is. But when I asked her what seems uncontrollable, the first thing she said was time. Schedules are great and help you gain more control over your time and how to spend it. But she said time is a fickle thing, 
and things come up that we don't expect. And I feel like Paul's saying, if the Lord wills, I'll go do such and such and such, and I might do such and such thing. I found out that all of my planning sometimes seems so futile, and all of my structure seems so futile. And, and the days that I have, especially now, are not going like I planned. And then she said the second thing is health and protection. She said, this one's hard for me being a, being a mom. The world seems to be so full of perils and snares right now that I have no control over it. Noble, I don't have control over Noble's allergies and how they affect him. No control over when the kids' fevers spike or they run into a wall and get a big shiner on their head. I could, she said, wrap each one of them in bubble wrap and they'd still find a way, I think, to get hurt, banged up, or sick. And then the third thing she said is, I, I also feel like I just don't have control over my kids' choices. As much as I try, I just can't control that. We direct them, and we try to show them the right way, but ultimately, it's their decision. So we see a couple of people talking about uh, different ways that their world seems uncontrollable unmanageable. You know, you and I, we don't know. We don't know what the future holds. We just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next year, next month, next week, or tomorrow. On the news, everybody's trying to talk about when the peak of COVID is and when it's going to start coming down off the peak. And, and one mother told me today, one of the hardest things is, I just don't know when it's all going to be over. And I can get back in that structure. You know, Larry Burkett says, the what ifs of life, if you don't watch it, they can rob you of all the joy in the moment. I want to say that again. The what ifs, the what ifs, if you don't watch it, they can rob you of all the joy of the here and now. Well, what if I can't afford the cost of medical services? What, what about assisted living? What, what if I get sick? Or, or what, what if I can't help my children with their college? What if I can't pay the mortgage or the bills? What if I can't, don't get called back to work, Brian? What if the stock market crashes and everything I've been working for? Whoa, 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 whoa. What if? What if? What if? These negative scenarios are endless. And really, they're putting yourself through pain that you shouldn't even be putting yourself through. Christian maturity is when you figure out that you don't have it all figured out. Christian maturity is when you realize that you can't manage it all. You can't manage, you can't control all that life sends you. But you trust in the God who can, the God that is with us through all things. And I'm telling you, that's good news. I can't control everything in my life, but God can. So I say we hook up with God. I say we hook up with God and we give him control and we ask him for help in every situation. I've learned to say this, I can't, God can, I believe I'll let him. You know, something I've said for over 30 years now is God will either deliver you from life's problems, and I think that's far between because we learn so much character and we have so much growth through going through things. God will either deliver you from life's problems or through life's problems. 
or through life's problems. But either way, we need to lift our hands up and say that we are delivered. So why does the resurrection matter to me? First of all, my past can be forgiven. Second, my present can be managed. And third, my future is secure. I want to say that again. My future is secure. I'm talking about two futures. I'm talking about your present future is secure in this earth. And I'm talking about your future can be sealed even in the hereafter. But either way, the resurrection makes it to where your future is secured. I want you to turn to the people in your room and I want you to say our future is secure in this present and in the future. Well, you might say, well, how can my future be secure? The way our future's secure is by knowing and believing this. Philippians 4.13 says this, I have the strength. Come on, say that. I have the strength to face all conditions, all problems, all circumstances by the power of Christ that is in me. Amen. Touch yourself by the power of Christ that is in you. There's another person in our church. It's a lady that's uh, in her 30s, and uh, she said this to me. I would have to say, over the past four months that my husband's been unemployed, which is something I never thought I'd have to deal with, that everything, everything, she put it in capitals, everything's out of my control. The only thing I can control, she said, is this, my relationship with God. And the more that I find that I rely on him to take care of me, the more control he takes over the situation and he provides for us. Every single time, she said, I sit down and I dig into prayer. Something supernatural happens within those 24 hours. Something happens when I do it and then something happens in those 24 hours. It has been a real life lesson to me. I really like to be in control of situations, she said, but it's been a real life lesson to me to rely on God when I feel totally out of control. When I start getting that anxious feeling, that out of control feeling, I've realized that that is a sign. Think about that. That is a sign that I need to pray and I need to go to God. And I know that my, where my help comes from, she said, every single time. The Bible says this, and we know, we know, we know that God causes everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God. That's you. I know you love God. And you are called according to his purpose. Second thing is we have this power in us that is greater than us. Think about that. We have a power in us that's greater than us. We were never meant to live this life as a rogue and to live this life in isolation, in our own power, in our own strength. God wants us for our future to be secured. He wants us to rely on his power. It's not by might, man's might, or by man's power, but it's by God's spirit that dwells in us, the scripture says. The Bible also says in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, is Paul said, I pray 
that you will understand this. I mean, I'm praying. I'm praying that I'll understand this and that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. For us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power. Think about it. This is the same power in us that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm as a victor. I'm telling you that there is a victory and that you sat with Christ in heavenly places in victory. The same power, that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead will rise you above your problems. Can you say amen to that? Can you give your family a high five and say, if God be for us, who can be against us? You know, my go-to scripture, you've heard me say it many times, but I really felt the Holy Spirit say, say to do this scripture. So as Braden puts it on the screen, it says, though the fig tree may not blossom, although there's no fruit on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, in the fields there's no food, the flocks shall all be cut off from the fold, and there's no herd in the stalls. You know, I want you to fill in your although. Although I'm sitting in my home and I'm going stir crazy. Although the, the, the fun is gone and I want out of my house. Although you're wondering how the future is going to be in our nation. Although you're wondering, am I going to be able to go to the Bears game this this fall or am I going to go down to Wrigley or to the White Sox game? Is it ever going to be the same? Although, although, is my husband going to go back to, am I going to go back to work? Am I going to be able to have my kids go to the babysitter? Although, although it says yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. Paul said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I will joy in the God who is my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. You know, I believe we need to grow a pair. We need to grow a pair of hooves. And, and, and that mountain and that although that stands in front of us, let's grow a pair of hooves like a deer and climb that mountain and he'll make me walk upon this hill. I love that scripture. There needs to be a refocus of your energy, a refocus of your security. When we have a refocus of our security, it will break down the fear and worry cycle. Do you feel like you're on a ride that won't stop? Do you feel like you're in a cycle and you don't know when it's going to end? Many Christians are robbing themselves and families are being robbed right now in the here and now. We have a chance to practice this. We're getting robbed from our fear and worry. The growing mania for buffering ourselves against the possibility of anything bad happening, it's not realistic. It's not possible. We live in a world where things are going to happen. But we know that God is trustworthy and that God loves us beyond comprehension, and that he promises to work all things out for good. I challenge you today, make a list. Make a list of everything that you're worrying about, everything you have fear about, or every, every although that you might have in your life to what, today. 
And I want you to make a transfer to God today. I want you to make that transfer to God. I want you to align your mind and heart with God and give him ownership of everything that you're battling. I want you to embrace God's counsel from his word for each decision and each action that you take. I want you to use him instead of yourself or you to bring his lordship into every detail of your life, of your home, and of your family. Peter said, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your worries on him because he cares for you. You know, Peter was a person that understood that because he was the one that got out of the boat and he walked upon the water. But the minute he got out of the boat, there were waves, there was wind, there was lightning. And he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink down into the water. Many of you are getting your eye on the lightning and getting your eye on the wave and getting your eye on the although but we need to put our eyes on Jesus. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he will reach down to you like he did Peter and lift you up in due season. So regardless of how well that you feel like you plan for your future or how well that you're doing everything you can to make it okay, we must try to trust God with everything that we have one day at a time. I close with this scripture. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, be full of the joy of the Lord. Let everyone see. See, brothers and sisters, there needs to be a difference between us and the, and the people that don't know Christ. Let everyone see that you are considerate, that you are gentle, that you are confident in all you do because you remember, I love this point, the Lord is at hand. Remember a few months back, I want everybody to lift up your hand. When the Bible says the Lord is at hand, it's in reference to lift up your hand and as far as you can reach, is as far away as the Lord will ever be. He's as close as that to you today. And then it goes on and says, don't worry about anything. Instead, be like that mom, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him because he's already done it. Then you will experience God's peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, because the world can take it away. But he said, then you will experience my peace, which, ex which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard our heart and our mind. Listen to this. As we live in Christ. Say that to each other. As we live, as we abide in him. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. I love that in scripture. Keep practicing. You may not feel it. I never feel like going for a run. I never feel like eating healthy. I never feel like, like going out for and doing something to exert energy. But, but we have to keep putting into practice the things that we've learned and received 
from the Lord. Paul said, everything you've heard of me and saw me, do, saw me doing. I wanna pause just a minute. Everything that you heard me say and saw me doing. Moms, dads, people when you're at work, around your neighbors, let people not just hear, but let them see your joy. Let them see you doing it. And then the Bible says the God of peace will be with you. God bless you, Church on the Rock. Carmen, I love you completely. Today, as we close, I'm believing God to do something supernatural right in your living room. He's not limited to these walls and he's not limited by space, but he's right now with you in your home. And today, I just ask you if you'd bow your head and close your eyes and take a moment to just really get tuned in with God and just let a stillness fill your room for just a moment. If God could say something, I think this is what he'd want to say to, to you. You matter to me. I understand everything about your life and where you're at right now. I know you. I made you, remember? You matter to me. I, I, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to let you in. I, I sent my son to you so that we could know each other at a deeper level. Level. You know, brothers and sisters, as your heads are closed, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, this is what Easter's all about. God knows you and he wants you to know him. So I want you to come with an open heart to God today. And right now where you're at, I just want you to say, God, here I am. You know, we're all at different levels in our journey. And so I want to pray a few prayers this morning. Some of you today, as you're listening, you're not even sure that you're going to heaven. You don't have security in the afterlife. If you were to die, you're really not sure what would happen. You need to make sure today. If that's you today, with every head bowed and eyes closed, would you say something like this? Jesus, I'm not sure if I'm saved or if I'm lost. If I'm, if I'm not, I'm just asking you, to save me today. I'm putting my total trust in you and I wanna be a follower of you. You know, it's a hard time right now, but I do believe you died. I do believe you rose from the dead. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you that I heard this message today and I receive you and help me to know you and understand you more. Others of you, Maybe you've drifted away from Christ. Maybe this is the first time you've heard the word in a while. Here's what God wants to say to you. With deep love, I want you to come back to me. With deep love, I draw you back. If you feel like you're away from God or that God's disappointed in you or that you're a mistake, would you say this with me? Jesus Christ, I'm coming home today. I want to get in gear. I want to quit playing around. And I want to put you first in my life. Forgive me, Lord. Put my past behind me. And I want you in my future. And lastly, 
for you that feel like everything's out of control and that you're just barely hanging on and you're discouraged and depressed and you're wondering if you have anxiety and you just feel despondent and you feel short with people around you and irritated. The pressures of stress, they've just been building up over these past few weeks. You've got this overwhelmed feeling. God is saying, let go and let me work out everything in your life. If that's you today, would you just say, Jesus Christ, I want to give you, I want to transfer all these problems, all these feelings, all these thoughts, all these pain, all this worry, all this fear. I want to transfer that to you. And I would give you my life, the good, the bad, the ugly. Fill me today. Holy Spirit, fill me with hope and your presence and fill me with your power. In Jesus' name, amen.